Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Can't believe it, but we're back. Here we go. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Danny running the show. We're back. First time I've been in studio since June 21st. <laughs> it changed, didn't it? <laughs> everything's, everything's so different in here as we look around. Nope, still a mess. There's that Rebel <laughs> Baseball poster with from... all the signed signed uh, signatures from 1947. <laughs> that's still in here. The first ever UNLV <laughs> baseball team. Yes, that's the first ever UNLV baseball team. We have, we have the, there's a signed UNLV baseball poster that legitimately has got to be from like 2016 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, probably. There's also a red t-shirt that says, come early, cheer loud, wear red, signed by one of Dave Rice's teams. And that's in a poster. It's uh, encased in glass. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah oh, yeah. Displayed. A t-shirt. Not even a jersey. Just a t-shirt <laughs> that's been here since 2014. Something like that. And then we have behind you our ESPN sign. So, yeah. This one's new, though. I mean, with the, within the last three years, at least. Okay. All right. Well, we're back. <laughs> Good time off. Yeah. This was, wasn't your Mississippi trip. No, that's next week. I still got <laughs> I still got another trip coming up. This was we went to Washington D.C. Did you? Yeah. A lot of museums. Oh, a lot of museums yeah. and monuments. Yeah. Oh boy, a lot of monuments. Your first time there? Yeah, first time. I've oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. What'd you yeah. think? It was solid. It was humid, but it was cool. Oh yeah, humid. Very humid. A lot of mosquitoes. Yeah. I will still say the number one thing that makes Las Vegas great is we don't have mosquitoes. Yes. Those things are a nightmare. They're, they're a nightmare. Completely forgot about those moving yeah. away from Mississippi where they're also a nightmare. But in D.C. they suck. That's Do they even trip. sell bug spray in the stores here in Las Vegas? I haven't seen it because why would you? There's no, no mosquitoes here. You got to go to the outdoor stores. What a great city. I don't need it. There's no mosquitoes, Danny. Unless we, I go somewhere else. We even had some up, uh, went up to Big Bear. We had them up there. Uh, that wasn't good. We forgot about them as well. God, they suck. Yeah, they're awful. Like the, and they, they serve, uh, some science people can correct me. They serve no purpose, right? Like these aren't something that are a needed, like spiders are a needed part of the ecosystem. Right. I'm under the impression mosquitoes serve no purpose. Except to bite. To our, like we could wipe them off the face of the earth yeah. and nothing would be uh, impacted. I might be wrong about that. It's just a hatred of mosquitoes, but I'm pretty sure we could wipe them off the face of the earth and... We'd be fine. DC's a cool town, though. It is. Yeah, a lot of lot of cool stuff. Those those free museums you gotta like. Drug you people to a soccer game and baseball game too. Oh, you saw? You went to games? Yeah. Nationals suck. Yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> we were champions last night, though. Is that your team? Yeah. Oh, look at your hat. How do I miss these things, Dan? I don't know. I don't know. How We've talked about things? it before. We have. Well, <laughs> obviously, I'm paying close attention to you. The first bite. Who will Juan Soto represent in the home run derby next season? Speaking of which, with the uh, Nationals, Juan e. Soto. Uh, boy, I, okay, he's going to play a clip. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought when he reportedly turned down the 15-year, $440 million deal that they put him on the market, and now we're saying that Rizzo said he he didn't? Well, their GM said that last month. They're, Before they're, he turned down the 15-year, right. $440 right. million deal? There have been rumors about Juan Soto being traded before this past weekend, right? That, that's that been a rumor for a little while now. But 
their GM came out last month and said, we're going to build around him, not going to trade him. But then we had the report from Ken Rosenthal over the weekend that Juan Soto turned down a 15-year, $440 million deal from the Nationals and that the Nationals were going to look into trading him now because, well, you can't sign the guy long-term. You might as well get what you can for him and let somebody else pay him whatever he ends up wanting. Um, Soto, here, here's the interesting part about Soto, though. He's still under team control for 2023 and 2024. This is not an impending free agent. This is right. You don't have to move them today. Right. The nationals could wait till this off season, right. next trade deadline, the off season after 2023, like they've got time to figure this out and trade Juan Soto whenever they get the package that they want. Uh, but I want it from the national side here. Should they give Juan Soto essentially whatever he wants? Should they basically let him write the contract because of how good he is and how young he is? He's not a, it's not a 28 year old guy who, Oh, we signed him to a, to a 10 year contract. Half of that. He's going to be in his mid thirties. He's 23. The first thing I thought when he turned it down was what would it be that he didn't like? And I thought it was the term. I I thought it was the 15. I think it's both. I mean, because, if it would average out to what you have down here, thirty million. He's going to want more than that. Yeah, like it's it's less than thirty. It's like twenty nine point something million want dollars. Forty and minimum. We're probably going to see the best players in baseball sign over the next five years. Yeah, start like Otani, people for like that. Forty million dollars, right. and Juan Soto's one of the best in baseball. So I have to imagine he wants more per year. And I, if I were Juan Soto, I don't know. If I were Juan Soto, I don't think I would want to sign for fifteen years. No. With the Nationals, but it is 15 years of guaranteed money. Like, that's maybe the key part there is like, hey, and not that baseball players usually think this way, but if you're Juan Soto and you're like, well, what happens if I'm 32 and suddenly I'm just not as good anymore? Like, that might be the biggest possible contract you get between ages 33 and 38. So I maybe he would but i would think if i'm Juan Soto i want more money on a per year basis yes and i probably want to sign yeah. for less years cuz he could conceivably he's 23 he could conceivably sign like a 6 or 7 year deal and hit free agency again that's what when i he's thought when i saw the 15 old. years i thought he'd want it short so he'd get even a bigger contract on his next deal yeah so i it's it's interesting um if i'm the nationals i don't know how much i'm willing to let Juan Soto sort of do whatever he wants because the the idea of what they could get in a trade could be really good for Washington. If oh, they sure. get what like I don't it depends on the team obviously, but there's like a chance they could get two pretty good MLB players now plus I don't know, a three lot of prospects. three or four good prospects. Really good prospects. Or just get five or six really good prospects right. from a team depending on which team it is and what major league players and what prospects they have. But like who actually Trades for Soto. Who actually can give up the amount of players and the quality of players it takes to get him, plus then be willing well, to sign him? Well, that's the key. Are you going to give him $500 million or whatever he's looking for? Right. I like, mean, there's only probably a handful of teams that can do that. Dodgers, Mets, Yankees? Yeah. I've seen people mention the Mariners because they've got a lot of good young players plus good prospects that they have the the players, the capital that? to get it. But that's the question. Are the Mariners going to give Juan Soto... $500 million. Uh, more than 10 years and more than $35, $40 million right. a year. I, I don't know. We haven't seen the Mariners be close to good in a long time, so I don't really know how much they're willing to spend. But it, it seems to me like there's such a small pool of teams 
they would trade for Juan Soto, that it could actually decrease what the Nationals get for him. Mm-hmm. This isn't like this isn't a case where oh, seventeen teams are going to be interested in Juan Soto. Right. I mean, well, everybody's interested in Juan Soto, but it's not a case where seventeen teams are going to pay him. can trade for him and pay him. It's like three or four. Right. Like you have a hard time getting to five on this list. You've got to really stretch and be like, well, maybe this team would do it. So would your team do it? The Astro, absolutely not. They would never pay they wouldn't him. Get, yeah, they wouldn't give Carlos Correa money. So they wouldn't give George Springer money. So there's almost zero chance they would do that and give him that. And here, here's the thing with baseball. And this is sort of, this is part of the problem with baseball when we talk about owners not spending money. Legitimately, if you are a team that is interested in trading for Juan Soto, you're probably better off not trading for Juan Soto. Because like to use the Astros as an example, if the Astros were going to trade for Juan Soto, they'd probably have to give up Kyle Tucker, who's an all-star outfielder this year, who's under team control for, I think, four more seasons. They'd probably have to give up one of their starting pitchers who's under 25 and under team control for four more years. That's two really good major league players. players, And then they'd probably have to give up two of their top four prospects. prospects. And in baseball, it's not basketball, and it's not the quarterback position in football. In baseball, you don't have to have the best player in the sport to win the game. You're better off having six or seven good players. You're better off being the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, and and two or three good starters than having the best starting pitcher or the best outfielder. So it, it legitimately, for any team that's a contender, you're probably going to be a better team if you don't give up that package for Juan Soto. It's probably better to have the two all-star level players plus two or three prospects. If you're a team, like you said, like the Astros and the Dodgers and people like that who know what they're doing in terms of getting players and and putting a team on the field. You're probably better off doing that than giving all that up for Soto and then paying him as well. And I think that's part of the issue with baseball is a lot of teams see that. They see guys, I mean, take the Red Sox. They traded away Mookie Betts and they're right. They had one bad year, but they're right back in the playoffs. They were in the ALCS last year, right? Like, you see a lot of teams let good players leave or they trade them away. And yet those teams still find a way to win and be successful because in baseball, it's not about having the best players, it's about having a good collection of good players. And I like personally as an Astros fan, if they today traded Kyle Tucker, one of their good starters, like Luis Garcia, who's 24 and has like a 3.1 ERA and then two of their top three or four prospects, I wouldn't be happy. I'd be like, that's stupid. Like Juan Soto's good. And then you're going to have to turn around and give Juan Soto $500 million. Right. But I'd be like, that's a dumb trade. I, I would be, teams worse. So I, I think that's an issue for baseball because I think most teams can make that argument. Why would we do that? Especially it's a long time to wait, but especially if this idea that, Hey, you could just sign Juan Soto in two and right. a half years. It's a long time to sort of project that out. But if you're the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Mets and you're willing to give them that money, you could just wait two and a half years right. and hey, he's a free yeah, agent. Yeah, he's a free agent. Exactly. We'll give him that money now. Right. And look, we didn't give up any of the players or right. prospects it would have taken to get him. So I don't know. I, I would guess right now Juan Soto doesn't get traded at this trade deadline. I, I, I would imagine he's still a national at the end of this. The season. package would have to be huge. Yeah. I would imagine if Soto gets traded before next season starts, that it's an off season deal, not a trade deadline deal. And even then, I don't know if it happens then because, it, again, it's two more years of Juan right. Soto being under team control. So. The Nationals can sit back and wait for as long as they want. So he'll be a national next year in the home run derby is my prediction. Look at Danny. While Look the Nationals the are 26 games out of first say, place still. That's, hey. your, that's your only solace, Danny. That's all right. 
Because it's still a champion. <laughs> There's two good players on that team. Josh Bell and Juan Soto, and they're probably trading Josh Bell before the trade deadline. Hey, man, don't say that. <laughs> He's good. Josh Bell's really good. Oh, I know he is. He was at the game I went to. He was three for three with a walk. And then the very next game, he was like, had a triple. Was that Friday? Or I went to Thursday? Friday's game. Okay. He was three for three with a walk. He was good. Soto just over two with two walks. No yeah. fun. Saturday, they did pretty good overall. They lost still, right? <laughs> And they won Sunday. Oh, wait. Yeah, I'm thinking of Sunday. Yeah, they won Sunday. <laughs> yeah, they, they got a little scary. Up 4-0 and then allow three runs on terrible hits. I mean, scoring four runs is good for the Nationals. Yeah, they you finished two, with five. There's only two good players on that team. I know. Nobody else. If, those, if Bell and Soto aren't up, I don't know how they score runs. Uh, Victor Robles. That guy's not a Two-run homer. On. Come on. All right, coming up next. Danny, I'll just quickly say they, died, they gave the Dodgers Sunday off. When you're 10 up, you just get the day off. Oh, is that what happens? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Must be nice. Coming up next, it's the Golden Knights. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Hey, the Golden Knights won a softball game yesterday. Yes, William Carlson, the MVP. Huge the, uh, on the, carried off in the shoulders of Keegan Colasar and Jack Eichel. The battle for Vegas. Yeah. Charity softball. The gold, Team Riley finally won. Did you see Jack Eichel when he hit his home run? Did a cartwheel. Yeah. When he scored, when he came around yeah. to score. It's good. We should have that in real baseball. Was, yeah, how how many real impressive. baseball players can do a Didn't cartwheel? Can't even do a cartwheel. I'm guessing very little. You got to practice some to do a cartwheel. Like you, they're, they're probably, most of them are athletic enough to do a cartwheel. The way he slides Trey Turner. <laughs> yes. With that, he, I, agree with that. I would agree with him, with the way, <laughs> just the way he slides. The great as he slides. I'm like, that guy's got to be able to do a cartwheel. But I feel like if any, uh, like, 90% of major leaguers tried to do a cartwheel, they would no. Oh, no. It'd just it sort of be, be a weird roll on their shoulders. Right. It wouldn't be good. Yeah. Because you got to practice Eichel. to do it. Who? you got to practice to do a cartwheel. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. can't just do it. Right. I mean. It's a very awkward would, thing for a human body to do. I mean, Jack Eichel's injury and everything. I don't know if they <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they want him out there doing cartwheels. Like, if I'm McCrimmon on Twitter last night, even though I don't know if he's ever on Twitter, and he's, I see that, I'm like, uh, that's like when Eric Howler, when they had Eric Howler, he's out there running the base. I'm like, didn't that guy have, like, a major knee injury? Like, what's he doing at the softball Sprinting game? around the bases. <laughs> Sprinting around the bases. Got to get to third. All right. This happened last week. Ed and I were off, though, so we're still going to talk about this. Max Pacioretty traded to the Carolina Hurricanes, along with Dylan Coglin, and all the Golden Knights got back in return. Future <laughs> considerations. Not which even, Carolina tweeted, thank you. Yes. Uh, not even when they traded Marc-Andre Fleury. They got an AHL player in return. Now they gave him right back to Chicago. Yes. They were like, yeah, we don't really want him. But they actually got a, a person in return they got nothing for Max Pacioretty. They even had to give Dylan Coglin up as part of the trade, too. Dylan Coglin was not making any money. That was not a cap dump of Dylan Coglin. They had to give up an extra asset to move <laughs> Max Pacioretty. And that's the part. I don't understand that part. Are, are, you, are we seriously saying that there is no NHL team that was willing to give up a sixth-round right. pick for Max, for Max Pacioretty? Pacioretty. Yeah, seriously. No, like, yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. That's what we found out last week that the Golden, and maybe it's not Max Patretti, it's the Golden Knights and teams not wanting to deal with him, right? But you're telling me to get rid of their best goal scorer, who granted is a little bit older, right? He's in his mid 30s, injuries. who makes a decent amount of money, $7 million a year, right? He's not a cheap player, he's not a young player. But if he was on this roster, we would go into next season and he would be the projected leading goal scorer on the Golden Knights roster. 
You're telling me that they literally could not get a single asset in return and had to throw in a sweetener <laughs> to get Carolina <laughs> to take him? For future considerations. I st- It happened last week, and I still don't believe it. How? How did they have to trade Max Pacioretty with an extra asset? I, I do not comprehend how that's It might possible. be what you said, that they, people just don't like them and don't want to deal with them and say, you know what, try, try someone else. And then that's the best deal they could get. But on the other end, you cannot like a team, and still if you have the money available, you cannot like them and still say, we still... I mean, this is a really, really good player. We'll just throw in a draft pick. Right. I mean, who you, you can't you can't hurt your own team just because you don't like the Golden Knights right. and not throw in a draft pick and say, well, we'll take them. We'll give you six because if you're going to do it for future considerations, I would assume you do it for any kind of draft pick. Yeah, if if you are any team in the East that's going to be good next year or that thinks it's going to be in the playoffs, and next you have year, the money and you have the cap space, and and you find out, oh, the Hurricanes just got him for nothing. Well. We're idiots. We should have given the Golden Knights a seventh round pick right. and he'd be like anybody that has the cap space and thinks they're going to be good should have absolutely traded for Max Pacioretty. Like I, I don't, I just, I, I could not believe that they literally got nothing and had to give up Dylan, Dylan Coglin to do so. I mean, like you, we've talked about this a lot. The Golden Knights need players that make less than a million dollars to be productive because they've got this cap situation. Dylan Coglin was potentially one of those players right. that was going to make less than a million dollars. Make next one of those seven fifty, seven fifty deals. And granted, he was not going to be some superstar, but Dylan Coglin could be a really good NHL player, could be a productive NHL player. And they had to give that up. They had to give up one of the guys they probably should have held on to, because I, I am, I just still cannot believe how they got nothing in return. And here's here's a genuine question for you: Is this front office bad? Well, I think it's bad when they make deals. I think twofold. They've tried to be good, and because they've tried to be good so much, they're bad. Like, they did a spectacular job in the expansion draft, some of which was... No, they got fortunate. Right. They like, got it, fortunate. It, they did William not Carlson come out of the expansion draft expecting to William be... William Carlson to score 40-something yeah. goals. Like, they were still actively tanking until December of right. that first season, right? Like, they didn't start the year with Alex Tuck on the roster because... They were afraid of losing Jason Garrison on waivers. Like they were not active. Like they had 74 goalie injuries and didn't trade for anybody because they didn't want to give up assets for a goalie. They just said, here, uh, who was it? Dylan Ferguson or Max Legacy? Go play. Max Legacy. Yeah. Games, right? Remember like, him? Uh, no. Who does? <laughs> right. <laughs> Once guy, you said his name, I did. Yeah. So like they were actively not trying to win until about December of year one. So like they did a good job, but they definitely got lucky. But since then. I think well, it's fair is, to say this front office has been bad. This is their own doing also. Yeah. Because by getting themselves in cap L. They they had a ton of they had a team that went to the cup final and a ton of cap space after year one. And they and listen, they should have spent a lot of that cap space. And they did, right? They they go out and trade for Max Pacioretty, you get Mark Stone, right? Like they should have gone out and added high level players with the cap space they had. They did that. There's no fault in that, but they never stopped doing that. That's yeah. That they was never the thing. stopped. They, they never stopped getting those kind of guys to try to be better, and then they put themselves in this cap hell, and look what's happened since. And they've had to trade Mark Andre Fleury coming off winning the Vesna for nothing. Mikel Hekarainen, and who they sent back to Chicago almost immediately. They had to trade Max Pacioretty, who leads the team all time in goals per game, 
for nothing. Had to throw in a sweetener to get rid of them. They had to trade Nate Schmidt and Paul Stasny. At least they got something back for those guys. They got picks. But they had to, it was like fourth or fifth round picks for two really good NHL players. Like, I think it's fair to say this, this front office has been bad since year one. They have mismanaged what was a cup contending roster. And they still have a good roster. They're still going to be projected to win the Pacific Division, I think, most likely projected to win the Pacific Division, right? Like, they're still a good hockey team, but they are in a much worse spot than where they were after year one, and I think it's because the front office just never quit. We asked Ben Goat yesterday if he's going to lead them in scoring next year. He has played a little hockey in his bad days in Minnesota. (laughs) Big bad days in Minnesota, Benny Goat's. Uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be Eichel. I I'll go, I'll go Eichel. Jonathan Marshall. So okay. leads him in goal scoring. If All you right. go back, I don't know if he did last year, but like the first two, maybe three seasons, Jonathan Marshall led this team in shots because he just, every time he touched the puck, right. those first couple of years, he shot like, and then patch ready, started to lead him in shots or at least on a per game basis. Patch did, but I, I'll go March. So just cause I think he'll shoot the most, but I think it might need to be Jack Eichel. Because who's who's if they let's assume they keep the Carlson Marcia So Smith uh trio together as a line. Is Chandler Stevenson is the left winger? With a position? With Stone and Eichel? I mean, if you're not doing that, it's Will Carrier or somebody assign or trade for this offseason. Like Oof. it's they don't really have a second left winger on this team. Like it's it true be, left it winger. Has to be Chandler Stevenson. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's Chandler Stevenson playing over there. Well, Stevenson and stone aren't exactly high level goal scorers. So like, no, I think you kind of need Jack Eichel to be your number one goal scorer. Otherwise, especially off that line. Yeah. Otherwise that Stevenson Eichel stone line, they might be really good, but like just kind of never score. (laughs) Like they're going to be like, Oh yeah, they dominate when they're on the ice, but they don't always score very much because who's actually scoring between those three. It's probably gotta be Jack Eichel. It's, I don't, it's it's weird. It's probably wrong to call them a mess because they're they are going to be they're contenders be next fi- year. They're still going to be contenders. But it feels like a mess, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it, it feels after all that, that way. happened in terms of the cap and what they put themselves through and what they had to do to get out of that out of that uh, situation. Are they even out of it technically? Well, they're better than they were. Yeah, like they they're still got to sign were. guys to fill out the roster, right? Like, uh, but Nick those Wall. are all going to be the seven fifty guys. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what we think. And then all of a sudden they signed Johnny Gaudreau to some $11 million a year. deal. Sorry, Riley. We signed you, but we got to get out of that deal. Did they announce uh, the Riley Smith one? Yes, they did. They did announce it. They did announce it last week. They'll they'll trade him after three years. Average of 5 million. You know, Riley Smith uh, represented himself. He did. Yeah. His agent became a GM. Which, you know, that doesn't happen. And he just decided I'm not going to. And I guess he represented himself, and he got a three-year deal with an average of five. You know, he just he didn't improve his salary, but he obviously wanted to stay here. Got more than I thought he'd get from Vegas. Yeah. So good yeah. job by Riley Smith. Yeah, I good guess. job. He should have been representing himself the whole time. By the way, I believe now with Max Pacioretty gone, they are done with a certain agent. They are no more Alan Walsh players. No more Alan Walsh. Yeah. So maybe never in the history of the well, as long as McPhee and McCrimmon are here in the history of the right. Golden Knights. Not not fans of him. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium.
David, is the home run derby better than anything else Major League Baseball does to get young talent on display? I think it's the best for that. I think the rest of it, you could still probably, you know, quibble with it a little bit. But, like, I, I mean, there's nothing that does a better job of showing you, like, a handsome young dude smiling after hitting 30 dingers, which is like, if you're going to get talked into baseball, like Julio Rodriguez in bulk while he seems to be happy is like, that should be the thing that does it. Right. I was really happy. I've forgotten about all the little weird details about the Derby that I have over the years come to find delightful, not just uh, all the kids getting like smoked by line drives in the field. Although that is, that remains like one of my number one, guilty television pleasures but the fact that every guy has like a hype squad you know and it's not just the pitcher it's like just buddies like people wearing their jersey and they're never identified where like when they have to take a break between rounds just a bunch of dudes running up to them and just like yelling in their face and banging on their chest like that uh yeah i think more of that vibe for baseball wouldn't be a bad thing at all um the idea of kids getting smoked by line drives um to tell you what happened here in vegas we have like a minor league soccer team that plays at an old baseball field. And one of their halftime promotions was Jose Canseco hitting home runs into the crowd. And they let kids go on the field with gloves. The problem is Jose Canseco was standing at like about second base, hitting the ball back into the crowd that would be like behind home plates. These kids had no chance at oh anything that was hit <laughs> on the ground. And like, they, were, they were softballs. Yeah, they, they hard, were but they were hard. Giant yeah, hard softballs. Softball. Like these kids, like they eventually sort of like moved them out of the way so they wouldn't get crushed by a line drive from Jose Canseco <laughs> from like ten feet away. Soccer. I was gonna say that seems like one of those things where like you can sort of be like, well, they don't know what baseball is. They're soccer people, so <laughs> they probably don't know that like you could cause serious damage to a child by having Jose Canseco just womp some like 98 mile an hour exit velocity softball <laughs> at them from half a field away. But that is what an amazing, I want to read more about that particular promo. Especially because you know Canseco is not, he's like, yeah, whatever. How much do I get a hundred dollars for this? Like he'll just go do whatever. And so the idea that he's potentially just Maybe scarring children. innumerable kids, he's like, look, man, I'm, I'm just here. Cause like I get a free lunch when I'm done doing that. Well, the best part is he's still hitting home runs while the soccer teams are walking back out onto the field to start the second <laughs> half. And at one point the clock's like the clock's at like 90 seconds before the second half is supposed to start. And he's on the mic and he's like, can I have five more minutes? Like he wanted them to delay the second half of the sporting event so that he could continue to hit home runs. <laughs> So good. Can you just get these nerds off the field? Because I'm still doing work over here. There's still three kids that I haven't hit with a softball at an incredibly high rate of speed. Hey, why? Uh, it's a little weird. Why is Pete Alonso so, I guess, intense about this? Now, last night he did say, he did tell uh, uh, Buster only that it was his wife and him. If he wanted, it was going to charity. So I saw that. But he seems a little possessed with this thing. It's weird, right? Like, I think that that's. Because he, of all the guys on the Mets, there are some super-duper intense guys on that team. Like Scherzer and Jacob deGrom are in their ways, as you know, slightly different, but both as maniacal as anybody that's, you know, playing baseball. Alonzo, I think of as just this kind of, like, chill Florida guy. Like, he obviously cares about winning games and stuff like that. 
but he's like a big goofball, you know, like you ask him a question after the game and it's like, maybe it's going to be about baseball. Maybe it's going to be about like how he went to the zoo last weekend and he's still thinking about the peacocks or whatever. Like he's, he's that type of dude, which I like. And yet like for the home run derby and seemingly only for the home run derby, he gets the like Max Scherzer mindset and like gets the, you know, sort of a sharky weird energy to him that he doesn't have other times. I remember that when he won it last year, uh, he was listening to like, he was like immigrant song or something by Led Zeppelin. Like he like had like a request and it was like for, you know, whatever, some intense classic rock banger of your, and there was like, he did hit a ball that like, you know, as weirdly often happens that like a kid like took in the chest and was like, you know, seemingly hurt by, and he was locked in, like not a problem for him. And he seems like a guy that would, you know, be very upset about that. If he were not completely in his mind palace hitting homers, I don't know what it is about that particular contest that does it to him. It did seem yesterday like he was a li- either. I mean, I guess Dave Joss wasn't elevating the pitches the way he wanted. Um, it's embarrassing that I can tell you about this, but I think that's what the problem was. But it's also like, yeah, maybe he just decided that he um, couldn't afford to, to go back to being that guy and like just had to stay normal and therefore went out in the settings. So, is Juan Soto going to get traded, and who should trade for him? I, you know, this is weird because he plays against the team that I care about, um, and on a team that I've never liked, and yet I find myself kind of a little sad at the prospect of him being traded. I don't know how you trade a guy like that. I don't think any. We talked a couple weeks ago, I guess, about the Durant deals that we're out there and how it's like basically going to be impossible to get equal value for Durant, just given the way that, you know, NBA salary structures and, and, you know, trading works. Durant is 34. So it was 23. Like there's just no way that, if, I mean, I don't think any player that good has ever been traded at that point in their career. And there's not any sort of package that you could get back. That's going to make up for that because like the best case scenario for any prospect that you get, the like 105th percentile outcome is that they become almost as good as Juan Soto. So, you know, I think for the Nats, you have to pay him. I don't know what their deal is. This is the same sort of thing they did with Bryce Harper. It feels like where they're like really negotiating in public and negotiating in public, you know, kind of a dicey way. But do you remember with the Harper stuff where they were like, they would give this big number that they were offering him. And then like, the second story after that would be like half of it's deferred. Like some of it is just in like, uh, like stock options for like, you know, anything that like if the learners start like a, um, like a crypto coin, like you get some of that. <laughs> it was all like very like legalistic and kind of hedged with Soto. Like he's, you know, if the team is ever going to be good, like then you need to keep him around. If they're giving up on that, and if they're just sort of like we're going to sell the team, which it seems like uh, ownership wants to do there, then I guess you get his salary off the books. But like, what is the appeal of getting a team that is going to win, you know, fifty-five games for five years? Their farm system isn't good. They're not like three prospects away, you know. So I don't know. I mean, this is. I guess this is, I ask you all the same question with Durham. Like, you know, as much or more about this than me. Like. Can you imagine a Juan Soto trade that makes sense? No, no, not really. Just because, no, right? Like yeah. it's just not like possible. Like you look at the package you got back for Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Dodgers. That's like a great farm system 
giving them two of their top ten guys for like a month of Scherzer, and then Trey Turner, who's a, a real star, but who they have to pay eventually. Uh, like, so would you double that? You triple that for Soto? Like, uh, what team would even be able to do it? Right, and I think that's part of the hard yeah. to imagine thing is how many teams have the the capital and prospects and possibly major league players plus the willingness to give Juan Soto 15 million, 35 million a year, 15 years, 35 million a year. Like it just seems like it's Yankees, Mets, Dodgers. And they, that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, and for me, like, you know, as somebody who, you know, cares about the Mets, I'm excited about Francisco Alvarez. Like they have a couple of prospects that are decently close to the majors that are like really good prospects. Alvarez and Beatty are both consensus top 10 um, in the minors right now, Brett Beatty. Like, I would drive them to the airport myself for <laughs> the Juan Soto deal to happen. Not because there's anything in me that says or because anybody I know that's seen them play says that they're not going to be good. As far as I can tell, they are going to be good. It's just like either one of them, like the odds are very strongly against being Juan Soto because you only get one of those per generation, and he's like three years older than them. Like, that was the part of it that was so crazy. I saw... um some guys from the Athletic were like floating different deals because it's July and you got to do something to get stuff on the site. And Andy Zucala proposed a trade that was like Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon's contract, Joe Adele, and money for Juan Soto, which is at least fun to think about. I hate the idea of Shohei Otani having to hang out in like Alexandria, Virginia. That's just wrong <laughs> uh, on a bunch of different levels. But the people that were sort of goofing on that trade, what they pointed out is that Soto is five months older than Joe Adele, who's like the, you know, could be anything prospect in that deal. So there's just nothing, like nothing fits. Um, all right. Before we let you go, dishwasher. Uh, I got an appointment with a guy this week. He's going to come in and give me a quote. Uh, so I don't want to jinx anything, but this is like, it's really happening. Okay. Uh, or at least one guy is going to come. You're or he's going to ghost me because it's like, it's really hot this week and he's got other jobs. <laughs> but this yeah. is like, it's starting to, to happen. I know I, I said that I thought July would be a big month uh, for dishwasher news. Obviously, I'm, I'm kind of up against it now. Like, this guy's going to have to, um, you know, show up and do the right thing. But I'm hoping that I'll have something uh, to report next week or the week after that, or more to the point, I'm looking forward to not having to wash my dishes every night. Yeah. I mean, if you get a quote, that is big news. That's like as big a news as you've gotten since we've been pestering you about your, that would be the biggest news. Like, especially people stop calling you back and eventually I stopped pursuing them. So like, then there was just four months of like the only movement on the dishwasher was periodically my wife asking me about it. And then every week I get asked about it by these two guys on the radio in Las Vegas. (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) <laughs> I need to figure out a way to move this forward. Like, just if anything, just to save the bit. You know, we're wasting ninety seconds of the show here. This could be—I could be giving you gold right now. No, nope. I look forward to some mess, uh, mess up uh, with the dishwasher that doesn't or the, allow or it. The I know. Well, being they, way they, too high. there's going to be something. I know yeah, what it is. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. He's David Roth from Defector. As always, great guest on the show. Thanks, David. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Bye. So uh, there's David Roth maybe getting his dishwasher fixed and telling us about some baseball. All right, coming up next. Oh, we've got some important baseball topics to grade. Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grades, grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. 
I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grady's Graves. We have two very important topics to grade. This is peak off-season sports radio. Your first topic is Kevin Kruger throwing out the ceremonial first pitch of the AV at the Aviators game over the weekend. Okay, so I'm watching it again. Uh, I give him credit. He pitched from the mound like he didn't come forward, so that's going to give him a little uh, bump on the grade. But as a former D1 athlete, it's C-minus. <laughs> so you're, you're grading him on a much tougher curve yes because he used to play college basketball yes he used to like a, now he got it to the plate and he got it over the plate but i think he guided it for that purpose uh i don't think he wanted to bounce it i think he wanted to make sure <laughs> that it was going to go over the plate which you everyone anyone in that position that's all you want right you just don't want to bounce it. you want to get it all the way there but i think he lobbed it for that reason so i gotta go c minus C minus. Did you see last season UNLV basketball tweeted out a video where the basketball team went out to the baseball field? And I think like Stan Stolte, the baseball coach, talked to him, but then they tried to hit. Like they tried the to stand. Team in, tried yeah, to tried to stand in the batter's box and hit. And there was like one or two guys on the team that looked like they've ever swung a baseball bat in their life before. Like the rest of them did not have any sort of <laughs> Swing mechanics that well, you would expect, basketball players. right? So I'm just saying, your your you know curve on Kevin Kruger well, being a former athlete. I, I think, like his dad, he probably played all sports. Probably, you're right. Growing up, you're right. Next time we have him on, we'll have to ask him how late in life did he play baseball. Again, it was a nice throw. <laughs> I gave him credit from going from the mound, but I, hey, I'm. I, I give the tough grade because I'm so impressed with, you know, I, I covered him when he was a point guard here. Okay. He was very, very good. Okay. I mean, he was really good. He was a good Division One athlete. And I think it was more, I'm going to lob it to make sure it gets across the plate. Danny's agreeing with me. It wasn't, you know, it was more of a change. It I, wasn't a 1-5 fastball down the middle. I think your points are right. I, I think he deserves credit from pitching from the mound. Yeah, absolutely. I think he deserves credit for not bouncing it. Right? Yes. He got it in the air there. Yes. I think he doesn't deserve credit because it probably would have hit a right-handed batter in the head had there that been is somebody true. standing there. That like is this, true. this was not the catcher had to stand up to catch it. It's almost in the right-handed batter's box. Like probably probably causing a bench clearing brawl because you drilled a guy in the face with that pitch. But I'm giving him a B. Like okay. I, I think All right. he accomplished the two most important things. Getting across the plate and pitching from in the mound. In the air and pitching from the mound. Was it a great pitch? No. But I think he accomplished the two important things. Now You better put that B out there, Danny, because it's the right. first time he's going positive on UNLV basketball in a while. What? So do we have the B? B. There we go. There you go. So I will say this, though, and this actually will help your case. Lindy LaRock gets an A+. Plus. A+. If you remember her first pitch at the Aviators game, this was last month. Last month. She threw from the mound, right. from the rubber. It did not bounce. Catcher didn't come out of his squat. Oh, it was, A plus, Danny. I don't know if it was actually over the plate because the camera plus. angle was not like right. from above, but catcher didn't come out of his squat. It was probably a strike. Like Lindy LaRock absolutely crushed that first pitch better than Kevin Kruger. Pressure on Kruger. Oh, huh? but I st- I'm still giving Kruger a B. Yeah, we're still right. we're still like all right. That's that's. I mean, good. again, I don't know if I could. I mean, again, we're sitting here and judging people. We don't know how we would do, but uh, you got to go from the mound. I just think there was a little guiding to the ball. Do you feel like you could throw a strike? 
off the mound. Well, I could throw it. I, it would get across the plate, but I might hit the left-handed batter instead of the right-handed batter. <laughs> I might say it hit him that. It would get across the plate. It's just, uh, and I might guide it as well, but I wasn't a former Division One athlete, so I'm going to grade him harder. All right, let's quickly grade this last one. This is a tweet from Bryce Kuhn. Uh, from NCAA meetings this week on college baseball, new recommended rule hasn't been approved yet. Starting with the 2023 season, celebratory props would not be allowed outside the dugout in college baseball. F minus minus. F minus. Let's take away minus. all the fun. Let's take away. Let, let's have no fun in anything. Who cares? Right? That's the other thing. Who cares? That's the part I couldn't figure out. Who was so like? I didn't even know they teams, did these things enough to even know they right. care. Guy hits a home run after he touches home plate. Yeah. He gets essentially a turnover prop, like we see in college football. Right. 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 There's jackets or coats or I mean, or like they the do angels, it in Major League Baseball hat. too. Right. The the picture is Oregon or Virginia Tech having a big hammer. Who was mm. complaining about this? That's the part I don't get. Who was like, you know what? We cannot have these baseball players celebrating home. There runs. are some get off my lawn guys.